0: This is a podcast by Carl Woodward and Mark Shenton. The following may contain strong language.
1: Good,
0: good, good. <laughs> we're doing a podcast. It could be um, a ball's up, but it could be a, a lot of fun. Well, we're going to see how this goes, really. It's like throwing it against the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, a bit like your writing. Um We're go, going to do some news, which is uh, topical. And then we're going to each cover of Fiasco. And then we'll go through a few shows we've seen. And then you're going to educate.
1: A hard task. <laughs> which is...
0: Impossible.
1: Yeah, you've never even heard of Pell Joey. I've
0: never heard of Pell Joey.
1: So we go, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Pell Joey today. I've
0: never been to name it. So this is a real, it's a real education mark, so thank you in advance. Let's start off, let's kick off with the most topical thing this week um, and the last week is the Donmar Warehouse story of the artistic and uh, artistic director and executive producer leaving theatre in 2019 and 2018 respectively. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I know there's a lot of discussion
1: around this. This has been quite a surprise, actually, because most artistic directors, there's, there's no set term for any artistic director to serve. Um, uh, obviously, they're appointed by their boards, and and uh, there's but there's an expectation in British theatre that artistic directors serve roughly ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how long Michael um, uh, Sam Mendes served at the Donmar. Michael Grand did nine years, Heidner did twelve at the National. But it's usually between. Between 9 and, and 12 years. But we never saw this one coming because um, Josie Rourke has only been at the Dolma for 6 years so yes. far. Although she's now announced that she's going next year, that means she will have served 7 years mm-hmm. in all. But 6 years is, is a very short time for an artistic director. It
0: is, yes.
1: So that's the first surprise. The second surprise is that um, Kate Pakenham, who's her executive director and who was appointed at the same yes. time that she joined um, as her right hand person, Um, She's going too, but she's going even sooner, she's going this summer. Um, And then within days of that announcement, Alistair Coomer, who's the the theatre's um, uh, casting director, also announced his departure. Um, Now he, in his case, he's going to a job at the National uh, as head of casting there, which is a theatre he actually began at and 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 is now returning to. That's obviously a career move, you can understand that, that's perfectly Mm -hmm. intelligent. but the Josie and Kate one uh, needs further unpacking, I think. Um, particularly Kate's early departure. I mean, it strikes me that why is she going quite so soon? She hasn't announced where she's going to. If she has another job to go to, that's understandable, yes. but she hasn't. Josie too doesn't, hasn't announced a job to go to, although she is um, uh, making a movie at the moment, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, mm-hmm. for working title, that um, it will be out this November. So clearly she's planning a movie career, possibly, um, I, I'm, I'm guessing. But just as Sam Mendes, of course, he took a year out when he was running the Donmar to make his first film, American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not unprecedented for an artist director to take time off either. No. But what is slightly strange is that she took this time off five years in, which is not that long, and is now departing already. So
0: this is one of the smallest theatres in London, for people who have not been. It's, yeah. it's been. It can be accused of being like a boutique-y type theatre. Yeah. And I saw what you wrote recently... They've been struggling to sell tickets for some shows recently,
1: which is a big surprise because it's 251 seats. That's all you've got to sell. Yes. Uh, that should be like I mean, and it used to be that shows of the Domar would sell out yeah, straight away. Yeah. Admittedly, that you know we're talking some slightly challenging programming. Um, doing a musical uh, based on verbatim testimony about mm-hmm. from the House of Commons committee, is one of the shows that didn't sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knives and Hens, a, a David Harrow play, that didn't sell either. But if you can't sell 251 seats, then you're doing something wrong, yes. um, because that's not that many seats to sell. Yes. Uh, now admittedly, the other thing to say is that neither committee nor uh, Knives and Hens had star casting. Mm-hmm. Star casting is often what sells out of the you know, Put Tom Hiddleston in a play, which uh, Josie did, Coriolanus, yeah instant sellout. Yes. So, you know, that's, that's that's the... Some of her programming hasn't sold out. She's done many good things, I have to say. I mean, she did a production of City of Angels, which is one of my favourite musicals, uh, a Cy Coleman musical, Broadway mm-hmm. musical from the uh, 80s, Broadway in the 80s, um, and it was a stunning revival, and I'm really shocked that it never further life. Yes. And that's actually another really interesting thing about Josie's regime, is that whereas Sam Mendes and um, Michael Brandage regularly transferred shows to the West End and Broadway, and indeed, Michael Grandage also uh, programmed a, a season of Don Mar shows directly into the West End, partly to address this this, this uh, question of accessibility, that 251 seats, not many people were seeing their shows. They put them in a West End theater so many more people could see their shows. Um, uh, and uh, very few of her shows have transferred. The Weir went to Wyndham's, um, uh, Privacy, um, and uh, Lady Liaisons of both went to New York um, and of course, the, the big one, the big thing that they did, and I probably one of her greatest achievements under her regime, but not her uh, her direction, was the all female Shakespeare's. That yeah, um, all, be, Two of them began with the Dormar yeah. and then went to the King's Cross, and the third one they launched directly at King's Cross, all with Harriet Walter. Yes. And that was a major season, but directed by Philip Deloitte.
0: A lot of people would speculate, because things haven't been announced as to where they're going. Could we see a heightener, star partnership? going forward, new ways of working in the West End, what do you think?
1: I think after, I mean well actually Michael Grange got there first he yes. left the Doma and set up his own company mm-hmm. in the West End at um, uh, and has done, did a, opened the season at the Coward um, he's coming back this, uh, this year with a Red Bring coming back to Windhams um, and he's also doing the Mark McDonagh play, a Lieutenant of the Yes, and I um, interviewed the cat. The, you interviewed the cat, absolutely, yes. Okay. Brilliant, brilliant. Not the first time that a cat, <laughs> an animal has been interviewed um, <laughs> for, a, for a major production. i never forget um, the, the, the brilliant Rhoda Koenig, who used to be a, a theatre critic for The Independent. She's no longer there, I'm afraid. Um, she once interviewed the dog. Um, in in a <laughs> production at the Open Air Theatre, Regions Park. So, so you're not quite that I original, know, not but, but, no, not
0: game changer, but but
1: but that was that was imp- impressive. Thank you, Mark.
0: Um, let's move on. Um, Rob Gore Langton, you're quite happy about this. Has been appointed to succeed Georgina Brown at the Mail,
1: um, Mail on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the Mail on Sunday, or the Mail rather, is is always one of Britain's <laughs> most hated newspapers, and um, and and the theatre critic is 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 one of is is equally despised it feels. He's by misunderstood me. But, but yes, by the theatrical community. <laughs> um, however, The Mail on Sunday has always had, for the last 21 years, Georgina yeah. Brown has been their theatre critic mm-hmm. um, and she's really, she was really excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a lovely lady and she wrote with such passion and dignity. So it's important that that, that, that critical spot is carved out mm-hmm. and even though it's The Mail, it's important that somebody serious and and, and good occupies it. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and you know, I, 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 as much as people don't like the mail, I think you know, we need to have theatre in there. It's, a, it's a, an audience that, that, that buys tickets. Um, Massive uh, audience. Um, so um, it's good that they're getting a good critic, and they're getting Rob Gorlangton, who's one of our loveliest um, uh, critics. A gent. Uh, he's a true gent. Um, he, uh, he, he has been a critic for a long time. He was deputy on the Telegraph. He was uh, a theatre critic of the Daily Express. Um, and editor of Players and Players, so he's actually a really good man, Um, so I'm really pleased for him that he's got another critical birth.
0: Brilliant, and and on a side note, there's been this debacle around Virgin Trains pulling the Daily Mail, and then Richard Branson putting it back on the train. Yes. What do you Uh, think about that?
1: Well, what was interesting is that they only sold 70 copies a day across the, the, the network, so it wasn't that many. Um, and you know, of course, there are charges of censorship when they took took it off sale. <laughs> but actually, they don't sell the Guardian. They don't sell. Um, uh, there, there are paper, There are many titles. They, they don't sell the Sun. So yeah. it's not censorship. It's it's a question of uh, the the, sh- the shop has limited uh, uh, space. Yeah. Um, and but th- what happened was that they did announce when they when they took it off sale that it was not compatible with Virgin's values. Yeah. So that was probably the mistake. They should have said it was just a commercial decision mm. that they. But I also have spoken to Virgin Airlines stewards who said <laughs> that, that they, they stopped giving distributing them on board um, yes. uh, because of complaints yeah. uh, from, from uh, members of the... It's of not the wholesome, world. really. No, it's not.
0: Um, let's just do a brief congratulations to Stuart Pringle, who has become a, a dramaturg at the National Theatre following his role as an associate dramaturg at the Bush
1: Absolutely. And, and before that, he was the artistic director at the Royal Red Lion in Islington. Yeah. But he's also, of course, a, th- a theatre critic. He writes for <laughs> Time Out and other other outlets, the stage as well. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, we've got quite a few theatre critics actually now moving over yes. to become dramaturges. There's a great historical precedent, which is that, of course, when Ken Tynan, probably the most famous theatre critic ever, mm. although you've probably not heard other of him. Other than he you. Uh, you, but you've not heard of? Yes, him, have I
0: have. You? I know who Ken Tynan is. <laughs> um,
1: but uh, Ken Tynan um, uh, was very was a was a brilliantly the, uh, astute theatre critic for the Observer in his day. Yes, um, he and he um, he was he left the Observer and went to work. For Laurence Olivier's National Theatre mm. uh, as its dramaturge, mm. uh, so it was a. It, there is, I mean, I'm not saying that Stuart Pringle is the next Ken Dynan, but um, it, it's also interesting that Kate Bassett, who used to be the brilliant theatre critic of the Independent on Sunday, yes. uh, she is now a dramaturge at at the Chichester yeah. Festival Theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering which of my colleagues will be next. Who
0: will be the literary associate at the Almeida?
1: Oh yes, because that job's being advertised at I'm, the moment.
0: I'm going to stick my neck out here and say I'm Matt Truman or. Natasha Tripney would be great in that role.
1: Good, good. No, these are good ideas. Uh, it would be interesting to see uh, critics making uh, new departures. Yes,
0: it would. And actually, it's it's sensible because the shrinking paid opportunities and it's an income and everyone's got to make a living. Yeah. Uh, let's go on to some really, really thrilling news. The band UK tour.
1: Well, of course, the band, the band is the Take That musical that that you took against before you even no. seen it. You wrote, uh, you tweeted aggressively against it, saying how shit it's going to be, um, and hadn't even seen it. And of course, uh, I then went right. to the opening in Manchester and was actually pleasantly surprised that this actually was a credible musical. Yes. with uh, it's a, a catalog musical, um, uh, a, a pop catalog that people love, um, and and actually is a really uh, lovable, likable show. That, um, that that audiences are really responding to. Now, then you went to see it and you hated it <laughs> because you've been programmed yourself to hate it. You've decided no, it in advance. it's because
0: it's garbage. This is, this is solid gold garbage. It's been extended into 2019, but this is broken box office records for touring yeah. theatre, hasn't it? £10 million and now another 25 days for those poor unfortunate souls who are going to get to see that. Um, but well, but actually, I think
1: they're really lucky. <laughs> so you see, there we no, go. It's you think
0: this is the best jukebox musical of 2017?
1: Well, there, there weren't that many others, but but it's it's pretty good. No, not. Um, um, <laughs> you know, so jukebox musicals. <laughs> You're are, doing this on purpose. Uh, no, I'm not. Uh, jukebox musicals are quite a hard genre to get right, um, and 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 very often they get them very wrong. Yes. Um, this this actually makes uh, it, it 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 does it very intelligently because it's got a story that people actually relate to. Uh, Tim Firth is a, is a serious playwright who, who really knows his stuff. He's a good writer. Um, and, and it's done with integrity, I think.
0: Anyway, the uh, <laughs> thrilling, really actually thrilling news I'm thrilled about is that everybody's talking about Jamie has been extended until November, the Apollo. I think it's a great pop musical. I think it's great that it's, it's, it's extended and it's a wonderful example of, of a homegrown British musical. With no stars propping it up.
1: No, it's absolutely. It's a, it's a real breath of fresh air for the West End, and um, it does have a pop voice writing it. Dan Gillespie sells had ever written a musical before. Yeah. He's written a really wonderful score, um, and 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 it's a show with real heart again. It's a show. It's a show I adore. I saw it in Sheffield when it, on the opening night. I loved it so much. Wrote a five star review. Next morning, I had two London producers contact me separately to ask me what they should do with it. Yeah. Um, and then I went back to see it, it only ran for two weeks in Sheffield, I went back the following weekend to see it again. Wow. Um, uh, and then, uh, since then, I've seen it twice in London. I think it's an amazing little piece, um, and I really, really hope it, it, it can thrive in this market. And we need a British musical to we survive.
0: Yeah, and uh, it need, people need to get behind it, don't yes. they? You know, because um, it's sort of a use it or lose it thing. Yeah. And it
1: has a fantastic lead performance by John McCree, who's a, a ba- relative newcomer. He's been in a few shows. Mm-hmm. He was a child actor originally. Mm-hmm. He was in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in the, at the London Palladium when he was a kid. Um, and he's, as an adult, he's, he's, um, he's now, uh, I think this is a star-making role. Brilliant.
0: Um, I, I'm not sure about this, but maybe, maybe you prove us all wrong. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. will be in Chicago. I love Chicago.
1: Yeah, is an amazing musical. Um, this is the, 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 the very great Candor and Ebb show that uh, actually was really ahead of its time when it premiered mm. on Broadway in 1980, uh, 1975 rather. Yeah. Um, it was really ahead of its time. It ran two or three seasons and then closed. And the, this production uh, is a revival that they did, in a concert revival in 1997 mm. and has been running on Broadway ever since. It's the longest running American musical of all time. Uh, The record on Broadway is currently held by Phantom of the Opera for the (laughs) longest-running musical of all time, but Chicago's the longest-running American musical of all time, Um, and uh, I actually saw it again in New York a few weeks ago, and I was just knocked out by how brilliant it is. Um, So it's coming back to London. It ran in London for 15 years originally. One of the things its producers, um, Barry and Fran Weisler, um, uh, specialise in is stunt casting, (laughs) where they parachute in a name. That um, may or may not be appropriate to to yeah. to star in a show. I mean, Jerry Springer starred in, yes. in lo- the London production Duncan once. from Blue. Uh, Duncan from Blue. Yeah, well, he's actually a proper musical <laughs> actor. Really? Duncan James. Yes, he's loved, he was in the original London cast of Legally, Legally Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So uh, they do like. <laughs> I've never they they do like um <laughs> not surprising but they, they they do like their stunts casting um and uh, there's a great lyric in Jason Robert Brown's um, Last Five Years where yes. they, there's a there's a song about uh, an actress auditioning for songs uh, for a musical and she says these are the people who cast Linda Blair in a musical Linda Blair was the original girl mm. in Exorcist the Exorcist the oh film yeah. of the Exorcist and yeah. she then did Greece on Broadway oh for Barry and gosh. Fran Weisler um so. Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, has never done the musical, um, and uh, although one of our associates uh, re- t- tells me that uh, she he has performed, Cuba has been known to perform in Marie's Crisis, which is a New York um, piano bar in the Greenwich yes. Village, uh, and sing karaoke there. So perhaps he's getting into training. Yes. Um, but I I, 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 you know, what, it'll sell. <laughs> it'll probably sell tickets. Um, yeah, he was
0: in the O.J. Simpson yeah. thing, which was very popular. Recently. And of
1: course, and he's the great movie star. And the interesting thing about, about this piece is that it's about celebrity and the culture of making stars and to be blue on stars. So actually, it's almost self reflective to put a star in it. Yes, that. but
0: I think we should do a special mention to Chesney Hawkes, who is going to be starring in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat at Brentwood Leisure Centre. I, for one, cannot wait. It's in, it's in April. It's two days in April. I'm going to try and. Get, will you join me?
1: I will if I can. Um, (laughs) It's it's It's
0: adult amateur productions, which sounds like a porno sort of set, doesn't it? Well,
1: quite. One wonders why is he doing it? Why would you do a two night (laughs) run of uh, of of, uh, a tour of a production, amateur production of Joseph and the Dream Technicolor Dreamcoat? But as a show, just quickly, never seen it. Oh. It's only the longest-running touring musical in British musical theatre history. Bill Kenwright's tour, which is actually rather marvellous. With Joe
0: McKeldry. Uh, Joe McKeldry, yeah. who's
1: wonderful, he yeah. sings the part brilliantly, um, has been running touring for 36 years, I think. Um, and it's it's a delightful show. Um, of its time, of course, but, but really wonderful. So
0: Isn't that coming up to an anniversary soon?
1: Um, 50 years, yes, since see, it's a regional premiere, yes.
0: So we might see that back
1: briefly, do think? I think it might well end up back in the West End at some point.
0: Great. So we're now moving on to a fiasco, the Cirque du Soleil fiasco, which is their show, which is at the Royal Hall, OVO, how do you say it, Uh, OVO, who knows, who (laughs) Who cares, but basically um, Lynn Gardner last year wrote a review of one of their shows and described it as being as erotic as a wet wipe, I mean only she could write that deliciously about something so terrible. Um, she was due to review this show, and she was invited was to review it by in, the yeah, by, by by the press agents, uh, and then literally uh, they uninvited her. Yeah. So the Guardian paid seventy three pounds to get her in, along with another one of their uh, critics,
1: who who who, who, um, who and, who and did he, review. yeah, and he um, was invited. Uh, now, of course, we can't ever have a situation mm-hmm. where. Press agents dictate which critics come and see their shows. This is dangerous, right? It's it's dangerous territory. Um, And, of course, it's not unheard of. It's not the first time, and it won't be the last that a critic has been disinvited from seeing a show. Um, Well, I was banned from the band. Yes, but with good reason. What? With good reason. Um, well. uh, Well, in your case... It was because you had already said in advance that you thought it was shit
0: and ridiculed, uh, and ridiculed it. And ridiculed yes. it. I've learned my from the era of Um
1: movies. So why would they want you that? But no, but it is. <laughs> but, it, but it is actually it, what a critic will do. It, Lynn did it too. Is they can just go and buy a ticket. Mm-hmm. So will, and Lynn bought herself a seventy-three-pound mm-hmm. side seat. So which she did say was interesting because you know she saw things that you wouldn't see mm-hmm. from a mm-hmm. good press seat. Um, uh, it's amazing, isn't it, the £73 doesn't buy you the best seat in the house. No. But there we go. Shocking. Um uh, so Quinton bought himself a seat in the upper circle, um and and reviewed it. Um anyway. Uh so you know, they are always it's always a losing wicket. Yeah. But um of course of course it's always in the gift of a producer to invite who they wish to to invite. Yes, yes. But that's that that's up to them. Yes, it's annoying. Yeah. Um but know, producers can do what they want. We are we we are at their, at, at, but then we can also do whatever we want. Yeah. And 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 the trouble is that then all rules break down, mm. and and then we'll get to a situation. I'm afraid when press nights, if if this c- continued, we get to a situation where press nights would not no longer apply. C- uh, uh, newspapers would just go in and buy tickets for the first preview of every show, yes. and that that will be that. And of course, what they'll do is they'll only review the the, the things that the readers are interested are uh, interested in in terms of celebrity, yes. in terms of big news so actually the critics the whole system of reviewing will break down in the long run because small shows that don't have stars won't even get covered because why would a newspaper want to spend money on buying tickets Mm -hmm. the thing that always amazes me of course is the guardian editor daily puts out a begging bowl when every time you click on any story saying please fund us please fund us and then she spends 73 pounds of that funding on sending a critic to Cirque du Soleil not
0: good I think a fiasco with a silver lining read Sue and Bob to at the Royal was yeah. pulled back on. Interesting responses across the board, largely positive, Yeah. but under this current filter of, of what's transpired with Max Stafford-Clark um, being removed from post and the show landing there after a successful tour.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, how did you feel when you went to see well, it? Well, first of all, I
1: saw, it, I saw it on Saturday and I was really, really pleased to, to get the chance to see this play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really special play. I mean, to think that she was only 19 when she wrote it. Mm. Um, of course, you no know, we, we, we art exists in isolation of its, of its presentation and the circumstances of its presentation. And I think that this debate, which was actually an important one to have, mm. was around the fact that um, Max Stafford-Clark had originally directed the original production. He also directed, um, and he was also co-directing this production um, and, um, and stepped down three days into rehearsals. I mean, he obviously cast the show or could Mm-hmm. With with the the, the, the director, uh, the other director, um, and he'd also helped design it, etc., etc. Um, but of course, that's that's stuff that's happening with Max. It's nothing to do with the play itself.
0: No. Um,
1: and one All of the talent in the cast. And uh, one of the issues around and, and why I think uh, Vicky <laughs> Featherston subsequently backed down on her decision is there were accusations of censoring a female voice, which yeah. is which was, was really interesting because here was. Uh, and, be, and she was the, Andrea Dunbar, who's no longer with us, she died when she was 29, mm-hmm. um, uh, she, the censoring of it came about because of the actions of a man. Mm-hmm. Because a man had mm-hmm. behaved badly, Max Clark, clarke um, or allegedly behaved badly, there's still no um, formal proof of, the yes. of this, it's still allegations. Um, uh, because a man had, had allegedly behaved badly, um, a, a female working class voice was being silenced. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the, 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 the decider. Um, It is an amazing play, though, so go get along and see it.
0: And how magnificent that Cal Churchill was behind the decision to reinstate it. Encourage Vicky Featherstone to to bring it back, put it back on, saying the royal court is at its best when it's at its most dangerous.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. What a woman. Anyway, go
0: and see that. Let's go on to two two shows on one I'm going to straddle here, which is I've not seen either. Surprising to you. Um, no, ma- <laughs> the the Mousetrap has only been running
1: sixty six <laughs> years.
0: But I'm really curious because you, what you've said about these shows has made me want to go. And it's Witness for Prosecution and The Mousetrap.
1: Yeah. But what What is both these are both Agatha Christie plays. Yes, yes. The Mousetrap has been running forever and uh, sixty six years. And we're talking about female voices and plays. I know. Yes, um, the longest. You know, the, the, this is the longest running play of all time in the West End, written by a woman. Amazing. Um, and and of course, what what's really interesting about The Mousetrap is that it's a, a show that. It's so easy for people to dismiss it. Everybody thinks that oh, it's just tourist fodder, yeah. and of course, mainly tourists go because yeah. it's one of the, the things you do in London. Yes. You go, to, you go, to, you go and see the, Tower, the of, Tower of London, and you go to see mm-hmm. the Mousetrap, and you think you've seen the theatre. What I, I was a snob too. I also thought oh, you know, it's such a shame that a this very beautiful theatre, the Martin's theatre, is one of those beautiful theatres in London. Yes. This wood panelled beauty mm. has been, you know, s- s- uh, sitting there with, with one show for playing for the last. Well, actually, it hasn't played all 50, 65 years in that theatre. It, it moved there from the Ambassadors next door. Um, but uh, that, this stage's not available for other productions. But actually, I went to see it, and I was really credible, creditable. Uh, it's, it's actually a really terrific play, um, and really, really well done. And they, they, they recast it every six months now. Like, the lead guy here is just graduated from RADA. So Brilliant. you know, once upon a time you'd think, oh well, it uh, would only really be the, the, the actors who were, were desperate for a job. But actually, <laughs> this is this is a kid straight out of Rada. Yeah. he's gonna he's a talent, and um, and he's he's in it. Equity uh, minimum,
0: it's all everyone wins. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and witness for
1: prosecution. And witness for prosecution is a um, a, a thriller, that, um a courtroom thriller that Agatha Christie wrote as a str- like the Mousetrap, it was originally a short story. Mm. She then adapted it as a play. It became most famous as a movie. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really gripping courtroom drama, and the special thing about this is that they've done it like almost a site-specific production. Mm-hmm. they found this amazing venue, the, uh, the old uh, council chamber of the GLC, the late GLC, that, that's what used to pre- preceded County Hall at, okay. uh, yeah. um, uh, at, at on the South Bank, um, and uh, it, it's the local home of local government, and it's, it's actually a, you know, done like a debating chamber, yes. and the, um, a fantastic, fantastic director, Lucy Bailey, has done this gripping production oh. with a really stellar cast. Two really fine actors who I just really, really rate: uh, Philip Franks and, um, and and the brilliant David Yelland um, uh, face it, face each other off as uh, opposing barristers. And they're just brilliant. Good. Uh, and there's a brilliant young new- newcomer who's ne- who I didn't really know particularly, called Jack McMullen, mm. who plays the uh, the young accused guy, and he's terrific too.
0: And that's extended to September. Okay. Yeah. So it's worth getting along. And I'm, com- I'm going to definitely get along with.
1: And completely sold out last night.
0: Brilliant. I've got to say, I'm just getting down from a Cloud Girl from the North
1: Country. Yeah, this is extraordinary, oh. extraordinary musical. Wow. Um, this, uh, we talked about jukebox musicals earlier. This is, it's actually not really a jukebox musical, it's a jukebox play, because <laughs> it, it's, it's uh, Conor McPherson, who's a brilliant playwright, has written and directed yes. this piece. Um, uh, it's a mood piece, really, set in uh, 1930s Depression-era mm-hmm. America in the same uh, town that Bob Dylan was born in. Mm. Um, and uh, he's, he's illustrated it with songs from Bob Dylan. Um, and uh, they're sensationally performed. It's songs oh, yes. that you, some, some songs you'll know, uh, Forever Young, for instance, yeah. um, you probably don't know it, and lots of songs you don't know. And so
0: hardly any, yeah.
1: Um, um, but amazing performances, an amazing piece.
0: Mm, I, I think uh, I said to you, I think that should certainly have another life. If it's not here, then off Broadway into a Broadway run because it's world class. It
1: reminded me a lot of Once, which is the Irish musical yes. uh, based on that, that movie, which was uh, just in the texture of it and the feel of it, uh, um, yeah. it, it, it which I loved. I adored Once, um, and uh, it ran for a few years at the Phoenix. And uh, it sort
0: of defies um, categorisation. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not a play with music. It's not essentially a jukebox. What was I found interesting, the Financial Times review described it as a collage. Yes. That's interesting. Oh, banana man. <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, I've got to say... That cardboard cutout in the foyer at the Southwark Playhouse is the best thing about the evening. Because we yeah. had a laugh.
1: Yeah, well, we, well you know what, we entered... We have to give us give give us some credit. We entered into the spirit of the show. There's a cardboard cutout. You can put your face in it and take a photograph and pretend you're banana man. But critics um,
0: don't do that, Mark. No, they don't.
1: Um, but but it, we entered into the spirit of it. And uh, you know what? Um, yes, I, I, I'm afraid I really didn't like the show at all. It wasn't for me. No, um, It. It... Uh, it, it if you have a, if you grew up with Banana Man cartoons in the eighties, um, maybe you'd, you'd you'd tune into it. I just thought it was it wasn't really well, very well done. Um, uh, some nice songs, um, but just just a, a bit of a mess.
0: See, we love theatre when it's not taking itself too seriously. Yeah. But we also love it when it's taking itself too seriously about not being too serious, and that sort of didn't know what it was, and it was such a mess. I mean, I was baffled. Um, it's nearly as long as Hamlet for God's sake and that that's anything that's a bit of a laugh should not be nearly as long as Hamlet no.
1: should it no
0: anyway moving on let's end on a high pow Joey so do you want to tell well, the anecdote about this yeah,
1: yeah okay well <laughs> well there's just I i, I was just quoting uh, this lyric um, which is one of my favourite lyrics in all the musical theatre sing it's it actually, it's actually I'm not going <laughs> to sing it's actually kind of kind of a, a, a slightly filthy musical musical oh. it's a, it's a, it's a musical about the 1940 uh, trans, it premiered on broadway it's very ahead of its time it's a musical about a older woman a, a, what you call a cougar now yes um, yeah. who, who basically romances a very much younger man mm. um, and tries to seduce him uh, and 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 she's an, one of the most famous songs in the show it's written by richard rogers the mm-hmm. great richard rogers uh, composer and Lawrence Hart the lyricist um, is called Bewitched, Bothered and Bewildered um, and uh, she's singing uh, how, about her love for this young man or rather her, not, not, it's not really love, it's lust more than love mm. um, and she says and I'll worship the trousers that cling to him. Actually there's another complete side note but, uh, but another, uh, uh, another well, my, my absolutely favourite musical of all time is the Guys and Dolls, yeah. it is the greatest musical and that also has filthy lyrics um, uh, there's a uh, there's, 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 your mind is
0: in the gutter.
1: It is. There's a great line about, she says, she says um, If I Were a Bell, the song's called If I Were a Bell, and, and one of the lyrics is, and if, if I were a salad, I know I'd be splashing my dressing. Anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I quoted this lyric on Twitter and, 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 and asked you to identify the song. Yeah. And you failed.
0: Yeah, I failed
1: miserably. Miserably, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a song you really need to, to, to find. It. But it's also a show we really need to see revived. Um, yes. Uh, They did do a Broadway revival a few years ago uh, with a rewritten script, Mm -hmm. um, Harry Connick Jr. Mm -hmm. Um, We've seen it in Britain. The last revival in Britain was at Chichester um, uh, uh, at the Minerva about oh maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, um, But it's a fantastic musical and a high time it
0: got revived. I mean, I listened to it um, over the weekend and it's just classy, isn't it? It's a classy affair. Yes. Um, Which song would you recommend that we listen to?
1: And, well, The Witch Ball that we're is, is one of the, the theatre's great songs. Mark, it's like an ode to me. I'll see you soon. Bye.
2: After one whole quart of brandy Like a daisy I'm awake With no broma seltzer handy I don't even shake Men are not a new sensation I've done pretty well, I think But this half-pint imitation Put me on the blink I'm wild again Beguiled again a simpering, whimpering child again, bewitched by. Sleep, bewitched, bothered and bewildered, am I? Lost my heart, but what of it? He is.